Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewhale.com and check it out. We've encountered so many challenges. I feel like <laughs> the question that's what I always say, like, what did you not encounter? Because I always say it's like the Murphy's Law. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. <laughs> Welcome to Heads Up. Joining me today is Andrea Lisbona. She is the founder and CEO of Touchland, and they were making hand sanitizers a decade before the pandemic. They got started in Spain, and then in 2017, they decided to cross the ocean and bring their products to the largest hand sanitizer market in the world. I'm talking, of course, of the US. They launched with a Kickstarter goal, smashed it out of the park, and it feels like they've been crushing it ever since. And they take a totally different approach to hand sanitizer versus just putting some some alcohol gel in a, in a little toothpaste tube. They made a product that's actually interesting. You could leave it out on your desk. You'd share it with others, give it out as a gift, which are all some of the strategies and tactics we are going to be talking about over the next couple episodes. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you're subscribed. Andrea, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about our first topic, which is disrupting an age-old industry. When I was an entrepreneur, I was doing this in the, the dog treat space. It's a little bit better now, but I think everyone just called their, their dog treats cookies or, or biscuits. If people were to think of their, their brand of hand sanitizer, maybe the stuff they got from the hospital on the black market is about as loyal as they might get. So I'd love for you to, to walk the audience through how you decided to disrupt this age-old product. And I think we've all used enough hand sanitizer over the last year or so to know what we like and don't like it. Either it's too watery or dries your skin out or at least you're all sticky. There's, there's a lot of bad hand sanitizers there. So how have you disrupted this, this commodity old industry? Yeah, so the way that we did it is, well, in 2010, I was 24 years old. I wanted to create something that would make the world better. So when you think about hand hygiene, at the end of the day, 80% of infectious diseases are spread through hands. And when you think about our lives pre-COVID, when we were traveling, going out, having fun and all that, and you're out in the street, most of the time you don't have water and soap available. So hand sanitizer truly becomes your best lie on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that industry, similar to industries like Nespresso, Apple, Dyson, and many other industries, the biggest challenge there is that it was an industry that was completely commoditized, antiquated. No one thought about creating something that people would look forward to use. And we saw the potential to really create the, the Nespresso's in this industry and truly reinvent it through design, experience, formulation, but also marketing, product placement, everything. It's not just about reinventing a product. It's also about reinventing the way it's sold, the way it's presented, the way that it's marketed, the way that it's communicating on social media. So we truly wanted to reinvent all the potential angles from this industry. And the first five years, what we did is distribute hand sanitizer solutions, which it was hard and it doesn't have a lot of glam, but it allowed us to really understand the industry from the inside. So why for so many years, the only solutions in the market were gel and foam. And everyone would say the same. They smell like tequila and vodka. They are so sticky. They crack your skin. So I think the goal for us was to 
built a product that people just didn't have to use because they had to, but because they wanted to. So similar to Nespresso, if I didn't have my Nespresso machine, I wouldn't have the patience, the time to do coffee in the old style. There are these companies that really think like years ahead of time and really think to change the form factors and the way that this product has been perceived for years and years and make this more easy to use, user-friendly, happy, pleasing, however you want to call it. What challenges did you did you face as you were disrupting the the industry? Were were customers fast to adapt it? Did you get pushback from from big hand sanitizer? What challenges did you encounter that maybe may have surprised you a little bit when you you were first starting out? If someone said, Andrea, you're going to face this. Everything like from adoption, like for example, in our case, we're launching Europe and we realized that we had a great product, but we were in the wrong place. Hand sanitizer in the US have been used since 1980s. People have been using it, like not only in the healthcare industry, but people have been using this product for such a long time. Kids, like everyone has a hand sanitizer on their backpack. So it was easier for us when we moved into the US and truly launch a product that was reinventing a product that was already in the industry. In Europe, for example, hand sanitizer was something that it came during the swine flu. It was focused mainly on healthcare. So you cannot truly reinvent something that has not truly been instated into people's mindset. So that's one of the challenges that we encountered. And then we encountered a lot of challenges when we launched in Kickstarter. Like we saw a lot of like hand sanitizer brands from the US that were threatened, just like trying to take us down the first day of Kickstarter, but we were fully funded in 24 hours. And we started building this community that we say we're a people power company. We are not like a company that has like Coca-Cola marketing budget, but we've been able to grow so fast because of the viral coefficient of the product. So we've encountered so many challenges. I feel like <laughs> the question that's what I always say, like, what did you not encounter? Because I always say it's like the Murphy's Law. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. <laughs> That's how we experience. I think it's Elon Musk that says like being an entrepreneur is like chewing glass, looking at the abyssum. At some point you stop looking at the abyssum, but you still chew glass for the whole time. So this is the experience. And I think it takes a very specific DNA to navigate through these challenges and obstacles that arise every single day. And I mean, in terms of anything else that you might want to to add, if anyone's listening and trying to reinvent a product or, or branding in a in a stale industry, what advice would you you have for them before we get into some of the numbers and some of the success that you've you had over the years? Well, I think first of all is listen to the market and don't take any false realities. I think when you think about like, oh yeah, I have this brilliant idea, like I think this is going to change. It's always good to get to understand better the consumers before it just, this is what people is going to appreciate. I think a great platform is something like crowdfunding because it's a good way to validate your idea without having to invest. Like when you create a product, the malls, the development, the R&D, like everything that goes into this, if then it doesn't have like the growth that you expected and everything you encounter yourself in a, a cash issue. So I would always say like, if you truly believe you have an idea that it's going to make an industry better, it's going to make an experience better. Like there's ways to test it out, to validate it before like going full in on development. I think that's really, really smart advice, especially when you are disrupting by changing something like the packaging. Custom packaging usually has pretty high minimum order quantities. I, I was once told it was a $250,000 minimum order. 250,000 custom units. 
that's a huge huge deal yeah plus the malls it's it's like an injection molding for us like it's it's extremely expensive we have a proprietary design like the bottle we designed it in 2014 we patented the design last year we experienced 2000 patent infringements Mm-hmm. So again, just creating a product, if it's not successful, it's a, if it's a problem, but if it's successful, it's also a problem. The biggest challenge is that if it's successful, too, you're going to encounter like rip-offs and copycats, and then you have to challenge them. We send like a hundred cease and desist letters a month. It is a complicated path. And again, like building your own product, I always say in the next life, I will do a service because Building a product in between supply chain, the malls, the patents, like it is a very complicated and you have to be fully convinced that you're going to be successful and that you're going to dedicate your heart and soul to this because it takes all of your energy and attention. Yeah, it, it really does. And it's important to celebrate the wins, but it can also be hard when you know that in the background lurching is your legal army is going to have to, to go to work if it's a little too successful. Yeah, yeah, it's always like that. I was talking yesterday with an investor and we I was sharing some of like the milestones that we've achieved and they were so happy. <laughs> They're like, you should be celebrating. And I'm like, well, the moment that I'm celebrating, then another fire shows up and it's truly never having the chance to celebrate a win. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality of, of being an entrepreneur. It is. Well, on uh, on that sad note, where can people find you, Andrea, if they want to check you out, support support Touchline? I know that we got connected through ShipOb, so they should get their, their products pretty quick if they if they order them. But where can people uh, order them? Yeah, so we started as a digital company, so they can find us in touchline.com, where they can buy everything from our power mix, which is the pocket size solutions that they can buy in bundles to get even better deals and then we have the cube which is the smart dispenser both for home and businesses this is everything online and then they can find us also in a lot of tailors we sell at alta bloomingdale's revolve and many others and then they can find us on social media on instagram touchland or tiktok which we've been viral many times and we're loving the platform with touchland also handle and twitter and pinterest and so on so make sure you find Touchland there and we will chat about where else you can find them, including in some retail locations in the next episode. So make sure you're subscribed. With 70,000 customers around the world and hundreds of five-star reviews, it's no wonder why so many businesses choose OmniSend for their marketing automation. Here's a review from the Shopify app store that I think said it better than I could of myself. Honestly, I don't think there's anything this app can't do when it comes to email automation marketing. I haven't been with them long, but it seems like whenever I try to do something a little bit more complex, OmniSend has the capability to do it. Their support is incredible. Thanks, Kara. I'm so happy that I chose this app over all the others. You won't be disappointed. Head to Omnisend.com and see for yourself why so many brands love Omnisend.
Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today. 